Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Good morning, church. There was this little boy uh, who was spending a few days with his grandparents as his parents were going out on a trip. So uh, the first night he's with his grandparents, he goes into the little guest bedroom and uh, the grandparents come in there to say prayers with him. So he kneels beside the bed and folds his hands and uh, grandparents are just standing there above him and uh, participating with him in praying. And he's, he's praying. Uh, he first starts out praying for his parents and, you know, God, thank you for my parents. I love them. Help them have a good trip. And he, he prays for his grandparents who are standing right there. He also prays for, uh, you know, his friends at school. You know, he prays for, you know, all these, these things going on in his world. And just like this little quiet, hushed voice, you know. And then all of a sudden, he raises his head and he kind of a lot louder. He goes, and God, don't forget my birthday's coming up and I really want that bicycle. <laughs> Grandmother looks down at him and says, hey. You don't have to scream like that. You don't have to yell like that. God's not deaf. He goes, I know, but Grandpa is. <laughs> God's plan for us this year is strong families at Seeds Church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> strong families at your home, strong families in this house right here. And uh, we, we've been talking about that. Uh, we've been... Uh, that's everything we're going to be doing this year is filtered through this right here. Strong families. And you might say, J.D., that sounds great and all. Strong families sound good and all. But I'm single or I'm divorced or I'm widowed or I'm, you know, I don't know. How, how do I fit into the strong families model here? And I say, you know, what? all those things might be true. But you know what? Your situation may change one day. It may not stay the same. And regardless of whether it stays the same or doesn't, there's another reality that exists and is that if you are in Christ, you are part of the family of God. And if you are part of Siege Church, then you're part of this church family. So whether, no matter what your situation is, everything that we're talking about here is relevant to every single one of us. It's applicable to every single one of us. The first thing that you need when you're building a strong family or you're building anything for that matter is a firm foundation. We started off talking about this a few weeks ago. You need a firm foundation. And our foundation for when we're building a strong family is our identity in Christ. It's our identity in Christ. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone, not the Kansas City Chiefs cornerstone, but that's Patrick Mahomes. He's Patrick Mahomes is the Kansas City Chiefs cornerstone. Who's rooting for the 49ers today? Chiefs? What was that? Well, I don't know exactly. We, a lot of us don't have a dog in the hunt, but it's going to be a good football game. But anyway, here we go. Jesus is our chief cornerstone. He is the cornerstone. Our lives are aligned with him and our identity in him is our foundation. Our identity is not in what kind of family that we grew up in. That, that matters not. Our identity is not in whatever level of education that we may or may not have. Our, our, our identity is not in what tax bracket the IRS says that we have to file in. 
Our identity is not in any of those things. Our identity is in Jesus Christ alone. He's the chief cornerstone. Our lives are aligned with him. Our identity is found in him. Amen? Amen. Last week, we talked about another vital building block in building strong families. It fits within God's vision for his, his vision for us for being a strong family. And that is that strong families have a biblical worldview. Can you guys just say that with me? Strong families have a biblical worldview. Having a biblical worldview means this. It means that everything that we do, everything that we feel, everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do is filtered through the lens of God's word. It's filtered through the lens of scripture. That means also that everything that we hear and everything that is done to us and everything that is done around us in this world, we don't look at it through the lens of what the rest of the culture looks at. We look at it through the lens of what does God's word say about this? That's what it means to have a biblical worldview. Living with a biblical worldview is countercultural. It's not normal in this world. It's not the way of this world. But that's okay because we know that when we are in Christ, we're no longer citizens of this world. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen? And having having a biblical worldview enables us to know God better. And it enables us to know the ways of his kingdom. Holding the scriptures in high regard in our hearts and in our minds. We said this last week. We said we need the presence of God in our hearts. But we also need the presence of God in our heads. It's important that we don't disengage our heads, our thinking. God gave you a brain. He gave you thought. He gave you intellect. That is a gift from him to use. And so we need the presence of God, yes, in our hearts, but also in our heads. And we need to engage God also with our intellect, also engaging the scripture, thinking through it, understanding what it means. So I look at God's word and I want to To be in love with, I want to spend lots of time with God's word. If I want to develop a biblical worldview, it means I've got to spend time with the Bible, right? I want to ingest it. I want to digest it. I want it to be part of my DNA. I want it to be part of the DNA of my family. I want it to be the part of the DNA of my church. I just want to encourage you, if you've missed any of these messages so far, go back to our website and watch them or listen to them and get caught up because this is important stuff for your life for your family, and for this church, for what God has called you to be part of. So before we get into the next building block of strong families today, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We look at you. God has loved what Jordan said, God. We look not at our circumstances, but we look at you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You see the beginning and the end. You hold it all in your hand. You are good, you are faithful, you are true, you are holy, you are set apart, and our gaze and our focus is on you this morning. God, we want our hearts, our minds, our families, this church to be aligned with the vision that you have for strong families, God. Strong families, blood families, strong church family, God. We thank you that you are building your kingdom here on earth. God, we thank you for the the promise that exists of heaven. But there is something you've called us to while we're here. And it's not just to look forward to heaven, but it's to build your kingdom here while we're on earth. And God, I thank you that you are doing that through strong families. You're doing that through strong church family. You are establishing your kingdom through us. 
And we say yes, we come into agreement with that in the name of Jesus. Amen? There was this uh, local sheriff who was in need of some deputies. He needed some new deputies, and so he put the word out into the community. He's taking applications, setting up interviews. And this one guy who was not really known to be, like, academically, you know, up there, intellectual, uh, he put his application in. And the sheriff was like, well, man, I'm, I'm desperate, so the least I can do is give this guy an interview. He set up an interview with this guy. And so uh, the sheriff just started with just some basic aptitude questions. And he just asked, first of all, uh, all right, what's, what's one and one? And the guy quickly responded, 11. <laughs> one and one's 11. And the sheriff's thinking, oh, that's not what I meant. But in a way, he's right. <laughs> then the sheriff said, what days of the week uh, start with the letter T? And the guy really quickly responds, today and tomorrow. Again, the sheriff's like, not what I meant, but he's right. Then the sheriff just asked this simple question. He says, uh, who killed Abraham Lincoln? Well, this time, the applicant didn't respond so quickly. He kind of sat there in a moment of deep thought. He said, you know, I don't know. I don't know. The sheriff said, well, okay, well, that's, that's fine. Why don't you go on home and why don't you uh, figure that out and work on that for a while? The applicant said, okay, no problem. So the applicant leaves, and then he goes to lunch, and he meets a lot of his buddies at lunch, and they're all wondering how the interview went, and one of them says, how did it go? How was it? And the, and the guy was super excited. He was like, it went great. The interview was awesome. I got the job. First day on the job, they put me on a murder case. I think some communication... There's some communication failure going on there. Communication breakdown, right? And, and, and whether you have mastered the skill of communication yourself or whether you're like, you just blatantly know, like, like, I'm not good at communication at all. We all do know the truth that communication is important in, in building a strong family, right? I think we would all say that's true. I don't think we would, you know, any of us would argue with that. But, but... Being able to communicate with, with each other is really well. It's important building a, a, a strong family. It's important building block. And it's important building block at home. It's important building block here at church. But there's someone else that's even more important for us to know how to communicate well with besides our own blood family and besides our own church family. And that's our creator. That's our father. That's the Lord God himself. We need to have good communication Open lines of communication with the Lord. Another word for that, just a simple little four-letter word, pray. Prayer. We need to know that prayer is an important building block in building a strong family. A strong family at your home, a strong family here at church. And you're probably going, well, yeah, duh, I know that, you know. But listen, strong families, if we're going to build strong families here at church, if we're going to build strong families here at your house, you've got to know that strong families prioritize prayer. It's not just something they know. They actually put a priority on it. Can you say that with me? Say strong families prioritize prayer. Families that pray together stay together. If we're going to build this thing, we've got to build it on prayer. And I know that many of you, 
you probably, at the very least, pray with your family before you eat a meal. Or maybe, you know, you go in and you see your kids before they, you know, go to bed at night. And you're going there and you pray prayers with them before they go to sleep. And, and, and you know what? All of that's good. Those are great opportunities. But I know this for my life, speaking from my experience. If I'm going to build a strong family, then I'm going to lead to look for more opportunities than just praying before a meal and praying at bedtime. I'm going to need to look for more opportunities to pray with my family just in those two. I'm especially finding this out to be true more and more so as my kids are getting older. My kids are getting older. They're growing up. Our lives are filling up with activities. Our lives are getting busier and busier and busier right now. And so it's like I have to be even more intentional to take time to pray with my family. Because I, I know that my family needs this. I know that my church needs this. We need open lines of communication with God. And I know that you're probably sitting here, you're going, yeah, I know this. I know this. J.D., why don't you like give, drop some real revelation on us or something like that? You know, like we, we got this. I understand. And listen, I get it. I know that I'm not giving you something new, but let me, let me just say this. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever had modeled for you the do as I say, not do as I do model? Right. We've all had that modeled for us before. We've all, whether it was at home, whether it was at school, whether it was at work, whether it was at church, we've all had the do as I say, not do as I do model presented for us. Every single one of us. And, and, and so instead of telling our kids about the importance of prayer, how about we actually start modeling it for our children? How about maybe this? Some of our mature, more mature church family start modeling it for some of our more immature church family. I mean, that's what the model that we see in the scriptures. Let's become a family that instills the do as I say and do as I do model in our homes and in our church. That's what God's vision is for us. Not just here's all the things that you need to do. What's well, great that now that we know them, wonderful. No, it's we've got to put them into practice. James says, don't just be hearers of God's word, but be doers of God's word. Don't just do as I say, do as I do. Well, whoa, for some of us, it's like, I don't necessarily want my kids to be doing what I do. Well, then change some things in your life. Go to the Lord and start repenting. Say, God, I, I want your help to change because I want to be able to say to my kids, do as I do. I want to be able to say to my kids what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We got a few minutes left together today. And what I want to do is I want us to be inspired to be looking for opportunities, to always be looking for opportunities to pray together with our family, and with our church. Some of you are like, well, man, I pray all the time. And, and I get that, and that's wonderful, and that, that's, that's great that you're praying all the time by yourself. But I'm telling you, there are benefits, there are incredible benefits with praying with each other that we don't necessarily get to tap into, whether the benefits for the other person, for myself, or both of us together, we don't tap into those if we're just praying by ourselves. Even Jesus talked about there is power in, 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 in prayer when there's agreement. 
When two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them, is what Jesus said. So let's be inspired to look for some more opportunities, constantly looking for opportunities to pray together with our family, with our church family, with other believers. I want to share with you today some actual benefits of praying together. Praying together. If you're taking notes, write these down. These are benefits of praying together. First one is this. Praying together inspires grateful hearts. Can you say that with me? Praying together inspires grateful hearts. Paul's final words of instruction, in his final words of instruction to the church at Thessalonica, he says this in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. He says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Who is Paul talking to? Is he talking to a guy named Thessalonian? He's talking to a group of people, to the church at Thessalonica. And he says, always be joyful, never stop praying. And then this last part, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Listen, prayer involves praising and giving thanks to God for his blessings, right? And so when we actually, and here's how a lot of us pray. Can I just tell you this? That's not praying together. You standing there quietly is a wonderful thing. I'm not, I'm not discounting your communication with God as you stand there quietly. You know, there's a time and place to be still before the Lord. There's a time and place for quietness before the Lord. There's a time and place for a contemplative heart. But when you pray together, you actually have to have words that come out of your mouth. You have to verbalize some things. So we're verbalizing praise. We're verbalizing thanks to God with one another present. And when we do this, it helps Listen, this is going to help your kids. It's going to help your church family. It's going to help us all focus on reasons to be grateful. Say Tim and I are coming together and we're praying together. And Tim's praising and thanking God. And all of a sudden, it's like a spark goes off in my brain. Like, oh yeah, I'm thankful to God for that too. I'm praising God for that too. I wasn't thinking about that before, but now that he mentioned it, yes, God, thank you. Praise you, God, you're good. Thank you for that. And I'm telling you, praying together is a benefit of this. It inspires us to have grateful hearts. And if we're praying together, we're giving thanks to God. Again, it's helping us realize how much God has blessed us. Praising God in prayer, it reminds us, it teaches our children that God is real, God is powerful and that he's loving. Praising and thanking God together reminds us, reminds our children, reminds our church family that God is real. He is present. He is powerful. He is loving. He is faithful. He is true. He's never ending. I could just keep going on. He's never ending. But listen, this is an incredible benefit to praying together. It inspires grateful hearts. Another benefit of praying together is that it builds bonds between us and God. It builds bonds between us and God. This is what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. Again, the church, not one guy. He's telling this to the church. Ephesians chapter four, verse two. He says, always be humble and gentle. 
See, some of y'all thought that was a Tim McGraw song, but Paul wrote it first. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Listen, a habit of praying together regularly, keyword regularly, it allows us to share with each other the ups and downs of our life. It allows us to share with each other ups and downs of our day, of what's going on in our heart, where something might be happening here and we can be going through our entire day and everybody's just kind of, maybe, maybe Jake's got something going on in his heart and he could just be doing his thing and, and putting on a mask and putting on a show for everybody. Nobody knows what's going on the inside of him. But if I'm praying together with him and say, man, how can I pray with you? How can I pray with you? And then he begins to take the mask off and begins to share with me. I mean, this is what's going on in my life. And this is how I need God to show up in my life. And this is how, like, I, I want to respond to God, but I need the strength and I need the wisdom and I need the courage and I need the provision and I need this. Then I, it's building a bond between us as believers. And then guess where? We're going to God with it. And it's building a bond between us and God. And we, we, if we show up in the place of prayer together, God's going to show up too. And we want God to show up and do only what he can do. If we make this a habit in our lives, we'll see that God is not just this cosmic being somewhere out there in space somewhere, out there in, in the heavens somewhere. But God is the fabric of our family. He's the fabric of our church family. He's a member of the family. He's the father of us. We get to, thank you, Tim. Let's pray again. We converse, we share. We're sharing our sorrows. We're sharing our joys with each other and with the Lord. And it's building a bond between us and God. Another benefit to prayer is that praying together opens hearts to forgiveness. When we pray together, it opens up our hearts to forgiveness. Mark chapter 11 um, let me see if I got time for this. I think so. Mark chapter 11, Jesus makes his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And if you got your Bible, just go over there with me. Um, Mark chapter 11, it can be a leather bound Bible, it can be a digital Bible. I don't care. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Don't go, if you hit Luke, you went too far. Mark chapter 11, Jesus makes his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Okay, these are just days before Gethsemane, days before Golgotha, and then even the resurrection. He rolls up into Jerusalem, and then the very next day, um, they leave. They, they leave at the end of the day. They go back out of the city, Jesus and the disciples, and they get up the next morning to go back into the city. They're leaving Bethany, and Jesus is hungry. It's breakfast time, and he passes by a tree. That's a fig tree, and it's supposed to have fruit on it, but it doesn't have any fruit on it. And Jesus is like, hey, here's something that ought to be fulfilling a purpose, but it's not fulfilling its purpose. So, and I don't think Jesus was angry or mad at the tree, but I think he's about to demonstrate something, a principle to the disciples. And he curses the tree. 
So then they go into Jerusalem and then they get up the next day and they're going by that same tree again. And the disciples are like amazed. They're astounded. Oh, my gosh. Look here. This tree that we walked by yesterday that Jesus cursed. It's all withered. It's completely dead now. No leaves. It's dry as a bone. What does Jesus say? Down here, uh, verse 22, Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, Jesus doesn't stop there. He's, he's, in, he's demonstrating some incredible principles here about who he is and who we are as his disciples, about our faith and about prayer. And he goes on to say this in verse 25. And he says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. And then verse 26, we don't really like this verse, but it's here. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Listen, when we come to God in the place of prayer, it's important for us to first acknowledge that he is God, that he is great. Why is that? Because it gives us some perspective about who he is and who we are not. <laughs> now, we're his kids, right? We're his beloved children. You know, I don't have this. I don't want us to walk around with this mentality of like, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know what? No, you were a sinner. You are have been saved by grace. And now God calls you a saint. That's the truth. But there is this thing of like recognizing of who God is and the fear of the Lord and going, God, you are awesome. You're great. You're holy. You're majestic. You're worthy of all praise. I'm not those things. I humbly lay my life before you. And so when we do that, when we see God of who he is and we call out his greatness, it humbles us, reminds us who he is. And our humility actually enables us to release anger. Our humility enables us to release bitterness and unforgiveness because we begin to start seeing ourselves against the, the glory of who he is. And we go, wow, God, I see now so there's some things in my life that don't line up with who you've called me to be. I'm humble before you. I need your help with this. God, help me release this anger. God, help me release this bitterness. God, help me release this unforgiveness. It enables us to do that. And when we pray together, our humility demonstrates for others the same need that they have in their life. It's the exact same principle of all this other thing that we're saying. When I'm praying, Dale, if, he, if Dale, you and I are praying and I'm going to God and saying, God, you are great. I humble myself before you. God, help me. God, I'm praying. I'm coming to you in prayer, but God, help me. If there's any unforgiveness in my heart toward my brother, I ask you to, to cleanse me of that. God, help me. Free me from that unforgiveness. And all of a sudden, something clicks inside of Dale's heart. And Dale goes, hmm. There's that guy at work. I'm harboring some anger and bitterness and unforgiveness toward him. 
There's that other family member that I'm having some issues with. That every time I see them, I've got some negative feelings getting stirred up. And now it enables Dale to go before the Lord and God. I humble myself before you, God. Help me, God. Help get this bitterness and resentment and anger out of me. You see how that works? Praying together, our humility demonstrates for others their need for the same attitude in their life. Let me give you two more benefits. This one right here. Praying together teaches our children to seek God first. Remember, it's not just about you. It's not just about you seeking God first. But when we pray together, we're teaching our children. In Deuteronomy, Moses was inspired by the Holy Spirit to admonish and encourage Israel. And this is what he says here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them when you're going and you're getting up and getting around. What's, what's Moses saying here? He's saying, Israel. Now he's saying, we read God's word and it's talking to us, disciples of Jesus. He's saying, people of God, children of God, family of God. Always be looking for opportunities to teach your children. Always be looking for opportunities. What did Paul say in 1 Thessalonians? Always be joyful. Pray always. Always be looking for these things. And then what does that do? It teaches our children to seek God first. Prayer, you guys, when we pray together as a family, it's a natural parenting tool. It's a natural discipleship tool. Susan's here with us. She runs the House of Prayer here in Murfreesboro. Susan, I thank you so much for, for being obedient to the call of God in your life. To, I, and I know it's a roller coaster. I know there's moments you're like, what am I doing? What, who's showing up? And people do, but some days I know it's like that. And I thank you and I honor your obedience to the Lord because prayer, what... what the Lord's called her to do is provide a place that the Lord uses as a discipleship tool in the place of prayer. And we don't just do it at church. We don't just do it at the house of prayer, at the Gap House of Prayer. We do it at home with our kids. We do it when we're out to lunch with each other. And, you know, like, well, let's pray before the meal. I, I tell you what, how about we pray more than that? Let's just thank God for more things than just this food here sitting in front of us. Let's, let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's pray for each other. And it's a discipleship tool. You know, I want our kids to know that God is eager to be part of their lives. So I'm pray with them before they go to school. Pray with them when something bad happens. Pray with them when something good happens. Always be looking for opportunities to disciple them in the place of prayer. And when you do this, you're inviting God into every aspect of your lives. You're showing your kids that God wants to be a part of your family. Last one right here. Praying together builds a legacy of 
testimony. Praying together builds a legacy of testimony. What does that mean? Praying together builds a legacy of answered prayers. God starts answering your prayers. Now you have a testimony. We recognize answered prayers. We praise God for them. Now it's important for us to record them, to repeat them, to share them. Why? Because it's creating a legacy of faith. How many of us want to live our entire lives dedicated to the Lord, demonstrating for our children what it looks to love and serve God, and then, and then they grow up and they run away from the faith? None of us want that. And I know that there's pain attached to that for some of us sitting here in that room. And I'm not heaping any condemnation on you. I'm not saying, I'm not coming to you saying, well, you should have done this, that, and the other. Sometimes, you know, kids grow up and then they have decisions of their own to make. But what I'm telling you is this. Here's something that we can do to be proactive. We can build a legacy of faith, a legacy of answered prayers. When we recognize what God has been doing. And we repeat those to each other when we record them, whether it's writing it down and putting it on the wall, whether it's doing a Facebook live video. I don't care what it is that you do, but it's important that you record these things in the in the Old Testament. uh, They would do these build these little monuments called Ebenezer. They'd bring these stones and they'd bring these little monuments and they weren't huge things. It didn't take long for them to do. But every time they would walk by that thing, they would now remember what God had done. Every time God would do something new, we're going to build another Ebenezer. We're going to build another pile of rocks here for us to remember that God did something. And every time I walk by, I'm reminded God did something. What is that? That's building a legacy of faith, building a legacy of answered prayer. Paul wrote this to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Another way to say this is that faith comes by testimony. What is testimony? It's the the story of God doing something. That's the same thing. And faith comes. It's the story of what God has done. So when we pray together and God begins to answer our prayers and we begin to record those and share our testimonies, what does it do? It begins to build faith in us. It begins to build faith in our children. It begins to build faith in our church. It begins to build faith in our community with whomever we share the story with. And we are showing everybody that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our children will experience how God blesses our families and how as we honor him and our children's children will experience it. That's what we want, right? That's the legacy of testimony. We want them to know that God is the same in my generation and in your generation and in your kids' generation. A few weeks ago, we were experiencing World War III in my house. Two of my children are in the room right now. And my wife sits here before me, and we can all, if, if I, you know, started bringing up the specifics of the incidents, they would be nodding their head and going, oh, yes, that was World War III. And there was, a, there was some major problems, and there was some, like, it wasn't just like one of these everyday, like, piddly kind of arguments that happen between your kids all the time. This it was something that really bothered my heart, it bothered Jamie's heart. We began to start seeing like, man, we do not want this kind of become, this thing to become a pattern. We don't want any root of this 
in our kids and in this family to, to grow and, and any kind of seed of this to, to, to take root and grow and develop to anything that we won't be able to overcome in their adulthood without the, you know, the miracle of God. Because how many of us know that you're dealing with things now? You're dealing with things now in your family as an adult with whether it be your parents or your aunt and uncle or your cousins or your brothers and sisters. As an adult, you're dealing with things because those little seeds took root in your life. And now they're, you're an adult. And now your family is disjointed. You don't love each other the way you should. That's what I'm trying to prevent. That's what I'm trying to avoid in this moment. I'm going, oh God, I don't want this to happen. So we call everybody in to the living room. It's time for a family, family meeting. And we start getting down, letting the kids talk. And you know, people start interrupting, like, no, you can't talk right now. This person has the floor. Let them say what they want to say. And we start getting down to the what's, what's in our hearts? What's in your heart? Noble, what's in your heart, Joanna? What's in your heart, Jamie? What's in your heart, JD? What's in your heart, Jocelyn? And you know what? We could have just ended that moment and said, all right, well, we just spilled all of our guts to each other. We aired our dirty laundry. Let's go on and live our lives. But no, we took that opportunity and said, all right, now we're going to pray together. We're going to pray and ask God to come and intervene in this family. We're going to pray and ask God to come and be present with us in our hurt, in, our, in this moment, to heal our hearts and, and not let bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness grow in our hearts toward one another, the people that we have to live with for the rest of our lives, the people that share the same blood that we, that we have running through our own veins. And I remember... I said, this is going to be one of those prayer times, guys, where every single one of us will pray. Oftentimes we have prayer time and it's like dad prays or mom prays or just one of the kids prays. I said, guys, this is going to be a prayer time where we are all going to pray. Not everybody liked that idea at that moment because there are all these feelings going on to the inside of them. And they were like, well, I don't want to pray right now. And I, I'm like. I'm making you pray. You're going to do this. It's almost like you want to cuss at them over prayer. You're going to pray. I didn't get angry at them like that, but I'm like, no, listen, we are all going to pray. We are all going to pray. We're all going to take a moment to pray. And you don't, and the thing with my kids, it's like, I don't care if, if it's eloquent. I don't care what it sounds like. I just want them to talk to God. I just want to build a bond with them and God together. It doesn't have to sound a certain way. They don't have to please me to do it, but I'm making them do this in this moment, not to please me, but because they need to connect with God in this moment. And I don't remember who I made start. I'm pretty sure that I, I finished it up. I, I you know, was bad and clean up on the prayer time, but one prayed and then this one particular family member that said that they didn't want to pray, it got to them and they were just real quiet. I said, you have to do this. And it wasn't, again, a punishment. It was because I know that you need to talk to God right now about this and we need to do it together. And they prayed and it was the most, it was powerful. 
it blessed me so much to hear them call out to God in their own words. Not just words that they've heard mom or dad repeat, but from their own heart express to God their heart, their woundedness, and how they wanted God to be present in their life. I'll never forget that moment for the rest of my life. And I pray that I experience more and more and more of those. But what do I need to do as the dad? What does Jamie need to do as a mom? We have to foster that environment. It's our responsibility as building a strong family. We're going to be a family that prays together. I'm telling you, the family that prays together stays together. And the church that prays together stays together. This church family. Why do we have Wednesday night prayer and worship every single week? For a myriad of reasons. For, for all these reasons that we listed and more. And one of those reasons is that God creates a bond between us. He's doing something as we come together in the power of agreement to raise a hallelujah, to call out to him, say, God, you're great, and we need you, and we want you to transform us, and we want you to equip us, and we want you to intervene in these situations. That's why every single Wednesday night we gather here to pray and to worship the Lord. I want to invite you right now to just sit actually and actually be still for a moment. And I want you to just position your heart Position your heart and focus on what the Holy Spirit's doing in you, saying to you, I don't think the Lord is here trying to beat you over the head, make you feel bad or condemn you because you haven't done this. and Maybe you know that you should have. I think he is doing what Moses did to the Israel. He's trying to admonish and encourage you. He's calling you up and he's saying that you can do it. But I tell you what, let's just be still just for a moment here and let the Holy Spirit speak to us.
Sometimes I see you disagree with me. Father, we, we love you so much. And Lord, you didn't create one or the other to be in charge, but as a team to lead our families side by side, arm in arm. You've created every marriage, God, to be um, strengthening one another through your spirit, through the bond of unity. And Lord, even for those who are single, Lord, and they're needing a man of God to come alongside um, them um, in the church or whatever that looks like, Lord, that if that hasn't happened, to help with their children. God, we release right now a spirit of forgiveness. We say, oh God, forgive us for harboring any bitterness or unforgiveness toward those that we didn't feel led and that we had to take the lead. We praise your holy name and thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you have anything? Okay. Why don't you stand with me? I want to tell you today, if you came in here today and you felt far from God, maybe you would say, yeah, I'm, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a Christ follower, I'm not a disciple, I'm not any of these things that you've been talking about, but I want to be, I want to be part of a strong family. I want to help building a strong family in my own home. And I know that the first step is becoming a disciple, saying yes to Jesus. I want to let you know that you can do that today. You don't have to wait. You don't have to put it off. You don't have to go, well, I need to get this stuff in order. I got to do this, that, and the other and make it right, and then I'll come to God. Because, listen, God accepts you just the way that you are, and the wonderful thing is, is that he doesn't leave you there. The grace of God takes you just as you are and then he begins to transform you into his vision for you, into who he's created you to be. And you cannot be who God's created you to be without first saying yes to Jesus. We're told in in the scriptures that to start on this path, becoming a follower of Jesus, it's really easy. Starts with your faith. And your confession. Paul says that if we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, and that we confess Jesus as Lord, we will be saved. That's how this discipleship lifestyle starts was faith and confession, belief and confession. So I just want to invite you right now. To, to believe and confess with me. I'm going to just pray right now and I want to invite you to just link your faith with mine. This is, you just, I'm going to pray and you, whatever words that I say, you put the meaning behind this. Lord, I come to you right now and I just confess to you, God, that, that I'm broken, that I've been trying to do my life my way and, and it's, God, I'm in my end. God, I want your life for me. I want to give my life to you. I confess you, Jesus, as Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I ask you to come and change my life. I want to give my life to you. I don't want to do it my way any longer. I want to give my life to you. I want to become a disciple. I want to become a follower. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. And I ask you to come and make a difference in my life that only you can make. 
And I want you to come and use me to make a difference on this world, in my family, and in this church, and in this community that only you can do through me. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, who made it even possible that I can even pray to you right now, God. And I say, so be it. Amen. People of God said amen. amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with me today, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. You're part of the family of God. You can be part of God's strong family. And if you're here today, Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.